you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen, and I hope that you're all doing well this week. Today's podcast is called The Silent Heart Attack. I was just reading about it yesterday and decided that it was an important subject that I really wanted to cover in the podcast. So most of us are familiar with the traditional heart attack symptoms, things like pressure and tightness and pain, squeezing or aching, all of these things in your chest. Might be any one or all of them. Nausea, indigestion, heartburn or abdominal pain, cold sweat, shortness of breath, lightheadedness or sudden dizziness and fatigue. So you could have any of those or all of them when you're having a heart attack. And you probably know someone, maybe even yourself, who's had those symptoms and may have ended up in the hospital, but certainly went to the emergency room. It seems that there's a large group of people who never experience any of these symptoms or just very slightly, so they don't realize that they're having a heart attack. And it's called a silent heart attack. And it's actually up to 50% of the total number of heart attacks. And its technical name is silent myocardial infarction or SMI for short. People experiencing an SMI don't usually call a doctor and they rarely go to the emergency room and their heart may not even show any damage until five or 10 years later. But it is nonetheless as much of a killer as a regular heart attack, the kind we all know. It's caused just like a regular heart attack when the blood flow to the heart is interrupted, which permanently damages the heart muscle. But the difference is that most people don't even have any symptoms or the people affected attribute the symptoms to something else. Men typically think that the fatigue or physical discomfort is due to age-related aches and pains or poor sleep or overwork. Some people think that the chest or throat pains are from heartburn, food poisoning, or even just indigestion. Or they don't feel any discomfort or pains, which is even scarier because they won't even mention it to their doctor when they go in for their yearly physical. And that's when most people who have SMI find out that they have it because it will show up in an ECG or electrocardiogram or some other kind of cardio imaging test like an MRI, which shows heart muscle damage. Sometimes it shows up even later when someone goes in for some other chest pain or shortness of breath. A 2015 study in the Journal of the American Medical Association looked at 2,000 people between 45 and 84 years of age, half women, half men, who didn't have any history of cardiovascular disease. 10 years later, they found that 8% had evidence of a heart attack and 80% of those 8% had no idea they had myocardial scars, which is what it's called. Interestingly, five times more men had the scarring than women in that particular study, but it doesn't, it's not really consistent 
over all the different studies. But there is some other research, <clears throat> not all, that shows that SMIs are more common in women. And other commonalities are that most people are over 60 or have diabetes or chronic kidney disease. That shouldn't be too surprising as those are some of the normal risk factors for heart attacks, which include high blood pressure and cholesterol levels, smoking, family history, being overweight, prior heart attack, diabetes, and of course, lack of exercise. There's also a blood test that emergency centers use to identify a heart attack or an SMI. It looks for the, quote, molecular footprints of troponin T, unquote, which is a protein that's released by injured heart cells. Who knew? God, our bodies are amazing, aren't they? A number of other studies have been done looking at SMIs and cardiovascular disease that show various results. In 2016, a study was published in Circulation. That's a, a magazine, journal. The researchers started with a data set around 9,500 middle-aged people who were free from cardiovascular disease. They found that in the seven to 10 years after the start of the study, that almost as many had had a silent heart attack, that was 317, as a quote, clinically documented one, that was 386, which means that 45% of all of the heart attacks had not been detected through the regular, if you want to call it channels, I guess. In 2012, a study in Iceland with 936 older adults found that SMIs were more common than regular heart attacks when MRIs were used instead of ECGs to detect and confirm an attack. 17% of the confirmed attacks were SMIs versus 10% of the people showing the usual heart attack symptoms. The researchers had done an ECG earlier on the same people and had found fewer SMIs. So as expected, they found more using the MRI technology. The researchers kept tracking the participants' health over 13 years and found that during the first few years after the initial study, the people who had had the usual symptoms were, quote, more likely to die of any cause than those who had a silent heart attack, unquote. The SMI participants had a similar any cause death rate as people who hadn't suffered a heart attack. But by the 10-year mark, the SMI people had the same death rate as the identified heart attack participants, which was significantly higher than the no heart attack at all group. So what you can see from that is that as time went on, people's hearts started showing more of the damage that had been done. Another set of results published in the American Journal of Cardiology in 2014 followed 6,534 people, all 55 or older, in Rotterdam who had no history of a heart attack. They did an ECG on all of the participants at the start of the study and found that 35% of the participants had had a silent heart attack. As in the other studies, and not surprisingly, following them over 20 years showed that the silent heart attack participants had a greater chance of dying from any cause compared to no attack. There are more studies, but I don't think I need to go through them as they all have the same kinds of results. 
And in some of the studies, there are higher rates of death for women, and in others, it's higher for men. So it looks as though that can't be a factor at this point in all of the research and the studies that they've been doing. What, if anything, will your doctor do if they find that you have had an SMI? Well, again, not surprisingly, they will treat you the same way they would if you had had a regular heart attack. They'll look at making what they call lifestyle changes in your life. Things like losing weight, exercising more, stop smoking, and to eat healthfully. They may or may not give you prescriptions for high blood pressure or high cholesterol. I would suggest that you try to handle it with lifestyle changes first, as it is usually better than going on meds. They may also suggest a low-dose aspirin to help thin your blood to prevent future heart attacks from blood clots. As to eating, the usual medically supported diet would have high fiber, lots of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, legumes, and fatty fish like salmon. As I have said quite a few times over the life of this podcast, if possible, try and follow a Mediterranean-style diet. That supports all of these things that the doctors usually are trying to get you to do. It's also been found to be the best for your vascular system, your brain, and every other system in your body. That is best whether you've had a heart attack or some other cardiovascular event or not. It's just the healthiest diet around. Exercise regularly according to the level of strenuous exercise your doctor recommends, which is another way of saying depending on your physical health and conditions, and be sure to watch for any of the symptoms you did or didn't have the first time around. Also, try to go to bed and get up at the same time every day. There has been some new research that links having the largest variations in bedtimes with future cardiovascular events, in essence, heart attacks, or dying from cardiovascular disease in the following five years. All of the 1,992 participants in a study that was published earlier this year were, quote, older adults, unquote, no ages specified. And all were found to be free of cardiovascular disease at the start of the study. The researchers concluded in this study that, quote, the irregular sleep duration and timing may be novel risk factors for cardiovascular disease, unquote. There's a second study that followed 557 young adults that had been using Fitbits over four years. The doctors tracked resting heart rates and sleep and wake times. And the greater the deviation in their bedtimes, the greater their resting heart rate increases. And resting heart rates have been linked in many studies to a higher risk of heart disease and premature death. In both studies, the effect of inconsistent bedtimes held up no matter how long a person slept on a specific night. So in other words, you can't make up for it just by sleeping longer. The researchers wrote that the findings, quote, stress the importance of maintaining proper sleep habits beyond duration as high variability in bedtimes may be detrimental to one's cardiovascular health, unquote. Don't you love the way they just kind of couch it in all of these may and and you might want to? Ah, yes. I'm going to start paying more attention to my sleep timings and when I go to bed, as that was one of the things that was totally out of whack 
during the four to five years starting when my mom moved up here and then passed away a few years later. So to wrap up, here are the biggest takeaways from this podcast, I think, for you. Number one, watch out for any heart attack symptoms. And even if it seems like a minor one, even if you think it's something else, talk to your doctor and ask what they think. Ask if you should come in for an ECG or an MRI to validate a yes or no on whether you've had a heart attack or a silent heart attack. Don't feel bashful about asking for things. It's your health. Number two, eat healthfully and exercise within the limits you can. Some version of the Mediterranean diet would be best for most people, and I'm sure your doctor would agree. And exercise is always good, but you know best what works well with any conditions that you may have. Number three is go to bed at about the same time every night to keep your resting heart rate at a healthy level and then also keep your heart healthy. So that's it for today. As usual, I will say that I'm not a doctor. This is not medical advice. If you are having a medical issue, please call your doctor. If it's really a very big issue that you're having, then go to the emergency room. Check out the podcast Facebook page or my website to make comments or to get on my email list. And if you're having any big emotional issues due or little due to the COVID-19 stress and uncertainty, please contact me at either place and I'd be happy to gift you a free coaching session to help you move more easily through this uncertain time. No sales or pressure or any of that kind of stuff, just a free session to just talk and try and help you to be able to deal with all this stuff that's going on. In the meantime, I will look forward to talking to all of you next week. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers. 